listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Brother Allen told the story of his hunger for God. Mm-hmm. And he was pastoring a church in Corpus Christi, Texas, Assembly of God Church. And he heard about an evangelist that was in Dallas holding a great crusade named Oral Roberts. So actually, a Methodist preacher in Corpus Christi said, you want to go up and hear this guy? So they went up, sitting on the platform. And the Spirit of God began to speak to Brother Allen. And he said to him, you can do this. Thinking of the scripture where God is no respecter of persons. If I can use Oral Roberts, I can use you. He went back to Corpus Christi and came under an attack. He lost his voice. And he was driving in, the, uh, in a car across the desert with his wife. Sometime later, still couldn't talk. And she was driving. He was sitting in the back just weeping, God, heal me. And whenever he got to a particular meeting he was supposed to do, he let the pastor know, I I can't talk, but I want you to lay hands on me and cast the spirit of fear out of me. Now, that's an interesting thing to me. So the pastor said, well, you're a Christian, Brother Allen. Now, see, just because the devil attacks you physically doesn't mean you're possessed. Right. So the pastor went ahead and did what... um, uh, uh, Brother Allen had asked him. And when he did, instantly, Brother Allen's voice came back and he never lost it. Wow. And so when he went out of there, he went into a closet in a, a place that he and his wife were living. And he said to his wife, I'm not coming out of this closet until the Lord gives me power to see miracles in my ministry. Mm-hmm. The first day he went in there, He smelled her cooking for the kids, his sons, John and Paul and his daughter, Mary. So he comes out and Sister Allen said, I thought you were going to fast. He said, I'll start again tomorrow. So he, and I know that feeling. I did the same thing, but um, he went back in that closet and got lost in the spirit. For you that have never had this happen, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like time doesn't exist. You're just in God's presence. And I've had that happen to me two or three times where I look at my watch and pray, and then I look again, and hours have gone by, but it seems like minutes. God lives in eternity anyhow. Well, Brother Allen, all of a sudden, the closet started getting light and brighter and brighter, and he heard the Lord speak to him, and God gave him. He said, I reached over and I ripped the cardboard off of a box where the Christmas decorations were. And he said, I had a pencil, but it wasn't sharp. So I sharpened it, that stub of a pencil with my teeth. <laughs> and he said, as quick as I could write, God said, this, these things are the price you'll have to pay to have my miracle working power. Mm-hmm. In his book, he only published 11 of them. Right. Two of the things he said, um, I... I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to reveal because it was personal to me. 
And then that book later, whenever he began to travel, that was one of the, and actually it was, the first book that he published, The Price of God's Miracle Working Power. When I started out with Brother Schambach years ago, Brother Schambach told me it was the book that many used to launch their ministries to see the supernatural. So I'm glad that we're able to reprint it. And uh, I, I, I don't know, when when will it be ready? For, the, for this month. What, when, well, when did you... Um... When did you first get that book? I would say in the late 70s, around 78, 1978. Did you feel it was pretty transformative for your ministry? Well, it got me started in the right direction. And uh, what was the thought again today? We're going to talk about things to avoid. And yeah, so forth. biggest mistakes you've seen over the last forty some years that people people could avoid just by hearing your wisdom rather than going through it. Yeah, and and uh, one of the things that I believe is critical to have an effective ministry is to study the Word, prayer, coupled with fasting. And uh, I know in my spirit that that uh, jump-started me, especially in fasting, because in February of 78, I went to Pennsylvania to hold a meeting in Wrightsville, and uh, the Lord moved powerfully, but I knew there was a stronger level. And from there, I went over to York to preach in the Four Square Church for Jake Warrenfels. Mm-hmm. And the Lord laid it on my heart. He said, I want you to fast in this meeting. So I started. And we got to the end of the first week, Friday night, and God was moving. There's great miracles. And Brother Warrenfeld said, I, I believe you need to stay another week. I said, I'd be glad to. So his wife, Mary, had made uh, some soup and things. And the Lord said, no, stay on the fast another week. So I did. And in that second week, the miracles increased not only in number, but in um, what I would call notable things begin to take place. Mm -hmm. Deaf people begin to hear. Uh, a gentleman died in the service according to the nurse that brought him. I didn't know that. And I went back, grabbed a hold of him. He came back to life after having been dead for five minutes. You just thought he would fell asleep in the yeah, service. Yeah, I did. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. Uh, and uh, just, and we got to the end of that week. Now the crowd, the auditorium is full. Mm -hmm. They had like a stepped up balcony in the back. It was filled. And Pastor Warrenfeld said, let's go a third week. And I'm getting hungry now. And I could feel hunger pangs. And I said, all right. So I said, Lord, I'm going to eat. And the Lord said, I want you to fast again. So I went into the third week humbling myself, praying. And in the third week, God gave me a vision and an instruction to go to Canada in that third week of fasting. And I'm leading up to something. But he said, I want you to go to Canada. You'll go to Toronto. And this is the name of a street. I, I wrote it down. It's in one of my old uh, calendar books. And I, he said, the street's named 
Young Street. So I wrote down Y-O-U-N-G. And I heard the Lord say, you spelt it wrong, but he didn't tell me how to spell it right. Isn't that interesting? Mm. And then I had a vision of an auditorium and everything uh, in that auditorium. And so in August of that year, I had no invitations to go there to preach, but on the strength of what God did in that meeting in York, uh, and you'll find you'll have a breakthrough in a meeting and it hooks you up and leads you to the next thing. Mm-hmm. In this case, I was at in York uh, end of February, March, and it wasn't until August that I did what I saw in the vision. But the Lord said to me, on the first day of August, I want you to be in Canada, in Ontario. So your mother and I left uh, Virginia Beach, where I was staying with my mom and dad at the time, and we drove up there and it just didn't make sense in the natural. But when we got there, God began to open doors and we hooked up with Lynn Carey who lives down in Florida now and his wife and her father had a big church downtown Toronto. So I thought, Oh, this is how God's going to have me to preach in Canada. And Lynn was a uh, roommate with my brother, Tim in Bible college. But that door didn't open. In fact, her father said to me, she said, or he said, I know I'm supposed to have you here, but I, I can't do it right now. I never said a thing to him. So he knew on his end, the spirit had spoken to him, but he didn't feel to do it. Of course, uh, you have to go by, uh, you know, you have to have agreement. People have to work together, mm-hmm. you know, co-laborers together, the apostles taught us. Right. Apostle Paul. Well, I... Um, went over the church and we come out and I saw the auditorium. This is the old evangel location. And I said to Lynn, the Lord showed me that building. And in fact, this is what it looks like inside. He said, no. He said, I was there a couple of months ago for a concert. It doesn't look like that. Just as he said it, the door side door opened to the theater. It's called Massey Hall. And when the door opened, out came two painters carrying a ladder. So I went over, I said, can we go in there? And me and Lynn go in. And I described to him what the Lord showed me it looked like. Unbeknownst to him, they repainted the hall, the color I told him, and hung the new lights that I had see, you know, seen in the vision. Wow. And Lynn goes, this is unbelievable. <laughs> so the reason I tell that is there are certain things that people avoid that cost them uh, breakthroughs, increased in uh, anointing in ministry, because everything about ministry is about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so the Lord uses the Holy Spirit to uh, show us what we should do. Mm-hmm. And if you're not training your spirit, now what do I mean by that? If you're not reading your Bible, Mm -hmm. if you're not praying, and if you're not fasting, then you cannot fulfill what I call the Jesus ministry Mm -hmm. upon the earth. Now, one of the things we need to avoid is the teachings of men that oppose the teachings of God. 
Right. Now, why is that, Teddy? Well, the Bible says very plainly, when Jesus rebuked the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees, he said to them, you err, you're in error because you don't know the scripture Mm -hmm. nor the power of God. So if you don't know the word, you can't know the power. Mm -hmm. If you don't know the scripture, you can't demonstrate the power of God. All ministry is based upon the teaching of the word. And so today, when we talk about some things we need to avoid, I want to say this right up front. We, uh, yes, Jonathan showed me. Uh, uh, I came out, he's talking about your uh, cousin. Yeah. I came out of, um, uh, where where were we at? Um, Pittsburgh going live on his live stream. Yeah, is he in Cannonsburg, that office? Yeah. Yeah, so I come out. And I see a building across the road, and the Spirit said to me, uh, tell him I'm going to give him this building. He's to buy it. Right after I told him that, um, no, that's not quite right, Billion. (laughs) They told him he wouldn't get it because someone else had put a purchase in it. Is that what he's saying? Then you're right, Billion. Amen. It's better to be a billion than not. (laughs) <laughs> so anyhow, I told him he would get it. He said, well, I think it's under contract. That's what he's talking about? Yeah. Sorry about that. I got two big lights in my eyes. There, I can see it now. And so um, Jonathan called me less than a week later, said the deal fell through, and I'm purchasing the building. And mm-hmm. since then, he bought that building. Yeah. And um, uh, I'm glad that he did. Yep. I, I saw a building for you coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but lest I get off track, yeah. <laughs> the thing I want you to know is all ministry, whether you're a believer or in the ministry gifts, before you were in ministry gifts, you were a believer. Mm-hmm. So I can say without any question, all believers in the body of Christ must pay the price that the scripture tells us to to be used of God, or you're just going to go through the motions and you'll never have an effective nor a a life-changing experience with God. Wherever you stop following God is the last place God can bless you. Mm -hmm. So going into the first really part of this, um, it's pretty, if you, if you're putting together what he's saying here, um, obviously the most important thing as a believer is to be led by the spirit of God. But as you were pointing out, many people are failing to be led by the spirit of God because their flesh is in control of their life. And without fasting and prayer for some people, they don't ever minimize the strength of the flesh in order to hear the spirit, what he's saying. Right. And so not that we have to fast to hear the spirit of God, but some people have gone so long allowing their flesh to dominate their life that they're almost... Uh, callous to hearing what the Spirit of God is saying. And you know what I got this morning when I was praying before I came to the studio was this. All of the problems that we are experiencing in our world is due to lack of spiritual leadership. 
I'm not talking about politics because the truth is there's not one person uh, that we would say is a leader in the political realm that can do even what they're doing without God's help, whether they know that or not. Because the Bible says it's God that puts one up and it's God that puts another down. In other words, promotion comes from the Lord. The Bible plainly says that. Right, yeah. But uh, we need to pray for Charlene Avalon's eyes. She says twins. <laughs> he lifts weights. I don't. Amen. God bless you, Charlene. Now, uh, Kristen wants to talk about how do I pray in tongues? And if you'll stick with the uh, telecast today, we'll tell you that. But I'm not going to just jump right into that because there's a layer here that we got to lay down. There's a there's a there's a way that we need to proceed. But let me just say this. All right, getting back to that, every believer has to. Understand there's a price to be paid to be used of God. Every single believer. Mm -hmm. The last place that you obey God is the last place God can bless you. He won't bless you past that area of obedience. Then again, wherever you disobey God, God can't bless you. And that shuts off the presence of God, the anointing of God, and so forth. Mm -hmm. Now, what I want to uh, get into, and we'll just let the Spirit lead us on this, I want to deal with certain things you need to avoid that are traps, the Bible calls them in the Psalms, snares of the fowler. The devil sets up a snare mm -hmm. to capture you, to keep you from the free course or the operation of the freedom of the Spirit of God, because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And unfortunately, many are religious, but they're not anointed. Mm -hmm. So having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, the Bible says from such turn away, is the number one pitfall that we need to recognize, we need to understand. Hello, Brother Christopher. Brother Price is on. Uh, we need to understand that uh, it... It's not good just to have a system. Right. What we need to have, and yes, we will pray for your hip and leg. Oh, God, heal. Rope BB today. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So we need to understand that uh, if you're content where you're at, then you will never be used of God mm -hmm. because that means your flesh, you have succumbed to the temptation of your flesh in that the flesh wars against the spirit, that area of what I call a comfort zone. Do I believe it's a religious spirit? No, ma'am or sir. Is that Charlene? Charlene, not always. Sometimes it's just our old stinking flesh that hinders us from being used of God. If you go to the gym every day, which I know you do, uh, I'd like to just say I went one of the days with him this week. Amen. Might go another, but who knows? Um, here's the thing. You determine how much God will use you, but it is still uh, a work of the Holy Spirit. Hello, Eduardo, Brother Vargas. Love him. Love you too, sir. Love you. 
Now, um, I want to just say this, and please jump in, son. I just, um, I just feel right now is a critical time in the body of Christ. I'm going to say something to you. When our last, here in the United States, our last president was in office, over 13,000 people died of the swine flu. Nothing was said about it. And as tragic as the loss, and many of them were elderly, as tragic as that loss was, we, we don't blame President Obama that people got sick. Now you have the coronavirus, which has not had the effect that the swine flu did. And they think now one person, one person has passed away in our nation. But suddenly people take this area of suffering, physical attack. Instead of saying we need, we need to pray for people, they'd rather point fingers and blame people. This is how bad, and I'll tell you why this is. This is not the Democrats' fault. This is not the Republicans' fault. This is the fault the blame lays at the door of the church. Because if spiritual leaders were doing their job, then we would be teaching people not to be bound by fear. We would be teaching people Jesus is, heals all sicknesses. Mm -hmm. Jesus heals all diseases. Glory to God. Amen. Prosoko Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Amen. But what does the church do? Remain silent. And unfortunately, and I say it as a rebuke, many in the church are more politically minded than they are spiritually minded. And it's not only to your detriment, my friend, it's to the detriment of our world that we live in. We need strong leadership in the pulpit. Now, this is what I was leading up to. The devil knows that. Mm -hmm. The devil knows strong leadership will change the nation and change our world. That's right. Hello, Bill Motley. I love Brother Bill. He's a faith man. Yes, he is. We love Bill and... Uh, who, what was his son, Isaac, that was in the tent yeah, this summer? Isaac, yep. Man, Brother Bill, it was powerful. Glory to God. Now, let me just say this. The devil realizes if he can attack leadership, these dear pastors like Brother Motley and others, they'll be going along, laying out the word, preaching faith, doing what they're supposed to do. And what happens? People go off the reservation. They get a little strange. They get just a little weird. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not the pastor's fault. So what does a pastor do? Give up because he's got a few people that are nuts? Right. No, you keep laying out the word. You keep laying out the word. Now the devil, hello, brother Sheets. The devil knows um, without any question, if he can bind up leadership, discourage a pastor, mm -hmm. muzzle an evangelist, shut down the ministry gifts, then he can shut down the body of Christ and he can shut down the blessing that our world will receive from these dear pastors, these dear uh, men and women of God. Yeah. 
So if I was the devil, I would put certain pitfalls. I'm going to use that word in this telecast to keep ministers from being used of God in a mighty way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And those of you that are watching, if you're just logging on, take a minute to share. We're talking about what are some mistakes that seem to be common over the last 40 plus years that my father's been ministering. Frank Godley. One of the things that's interesting is, and I say this often because I truly believe it, God does not want his people to learn by destruction, but by instruction. God doesn't want you to have to learn by trial and error. What a horrible way to have to learn lessons by making mistake over and over and over again. When the Bible teaches that wisdom is crying out to you. Yeah. Wisdom is crying out. And so if we will adhere to and listen to wisdom, that's what if you are with us on the book of Proverbs this month, that's the whole reason the book of Proverbs was written, the Bible teaches in chapter one, so that people could learn to be disciplined and successful, and it would bring wisdom even to the young, the Bible says. Mm. And so you shouldn't have to learn by destruction, but by instruction. Imagine me as Don't a father. Don't learn by destruction, but by instruction. By instruction. Imagine. Hello, David Blay. There's Brother Blay. Imagine Brother Rambler too. Hey. Um, imagine as if I, as a father, who you know my my three year old son, I see him pulling a chair up to the counter in the kitchen where there's a pot of boiling water. We're getting ready to make something, and he crawls up onto that chair and he's about to put his hand into that water. Imagine me sitting back and saying, "Yeah, let him go ahead and do it. He won't do that again. He'll learn that that's hot." No, a loving father does not wait until the children are harmed to teach them the lesson. They cry out from the couch or from the other room, don't touch it, it's hot. Hello, Jeff. And that's the key. That's what wisdom is doing. And I believe that today, as you listen to this broadcast, wisdom's crying out to you, don't touch it or go that direction. Whatever it might be for you that you hear, it's actually causing you to receive an impartation of wisdom. One of the things that, that we learned from Acts chapter 20, Paul's addressing the Ephesian elders and he says in verse 32, now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, mm-hmm. which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance amongst all those that are sanctified. What Paul's teaching is the word of God has the ability to build you up and give you an inheritance. When you receive a word or the word, you are receiving impartation to succeed. In fact, the prophet Ezekiel said upon his call from God, he said, I heard him speaking unto me. The word came unto me and set me upon my feet. And so that's the key. Today, the word's coming to you. It's going to set you upon your feet. It's going to establish you in strength and cause you to go uh, further, faster, which is what I'm getting ready to release in just a few weeks. That's what this is. It's a word that causes you to go and be able to leapfrog past the normal without trial and error because of wisdom. Wisdom sets your head and shoulders above the rest. You know, that's what you and I are doing. We're racing to see who can release their book first. <laughs> I've been working on this book, The Gifts of the Spirit, Volume 1, for a little bit. And he's working on further, faster. And we'll, we'll just see who's faster. <laughs> hey, Britt. Brother Rodney. AJ, love you. And so... Um, as you've gone, Rhonda. I, I, one of the things I heard you say, and I've heard you say multiple times, is that, you know, there, there's really a limited number of manifestations or as you discern or see somebody's spirits, like you could go to one church and see somebody and say, 
Well, he's the same as this guy in the other church. Same spirit, same person, different name, different body, but same issues derived from the same spirit, going through the same problems. There's only a limited number of things the devil has that he can use against you, really. And if you are able to discern them, you can see it. Would you say that's one of the things that helps you to minister to people more quickly is being able to see, well, that's that's the same as something I experienced here. Same spirit, same problem. Yeah, as you as you go on in ministry, you learn certain things mean certain things. Right. So um, I always use Acts 10, 38 as the foundation for ministry, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power and how he went about doing good, healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. Now, if you were a lawyer, you dissect that, and then the first thing you come up with, the only ones that Jesus healed in the Gospels were those who were oppressed of the devil. Mm -hmm. So now we see that sickness is an oppression of the devil. Right. It's never God. It's not God teaching you a lesson. It's not God uh, working to uh, chastise you. No, sickness and disease are the works of Satan himself. And then, moving on past that, the Bible says in Luke, there was a woman who was in the temple and she was bent over and could not in any wise lift herself up. Hello, Sister Regina from Gettysburg. Couldn't lift herself up. She was crippled. And Jesus, seeing her, called her to him. Now, why didn't Jesus walk over to her? Why did he call her to him? He must have seen she's crippled, bowed over, can hardly move. You've got to show God some faith. Mm -hmm. You have to show God some faith. And that is what the Bible calls, Paul said, the walk of faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. She probably couldn't even seem well if she's bent over, but he calls her. And then he said to her, Woman, thou art made straight. Then he laid his hands upon her, and immediately she was made straight and stood up. Well, what was the first thing that we find out? Religion rebukes Jesus for healing the woman. Right. This is not the day to do this. There right. are the days in the week. But here's the truth about religion. Religion is not going to heal you any day of the week, right. including the Sabbath or Sunday. Uh, which are different. So what we have to understand is we have to avoid a religious mindset that excludes God's freedom of the spirit. I, I started this a little bit ago. Anything that keeps you where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Mm -hmm. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Mm -hmm. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Freedom, and he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So one of the things we have to avoid, I used to call it denominationalism. I used to call it um, uh, the area of tradition from uh, elders in the church. I, looking back, every time that I ever started to do something from God, for God and what I got instruction from God, some religious leader told me I could not do it. Mm -hmm. So what you have to do, don't hang out with people who don't understand the Holy Spirit. 
Yeah, absolutely. Now, someone said to me, can I be used by God? Yes. Well, which gifts should I ask for? Don't ask for any of them. Ask for the giver of the gifts. Right. The Holy Spirit himself. The Spirit himself. The Spirit himself. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Glory, glory, glory. And this is what makes us different than the denominations that deny the Holy Spirit, don't believe in the baptism of the Spirit, yep. don't believe in the uh, demonstrations of the Spirit, don't believe in the manifestations of the Spirit, and there are differences. Mm -hmm. Demonstration is one thing, manifestation is another. In Corinthians, the Bible speaks of uh, administrations and operations. There's a difference in administration. There's a difference in the way you operate with that ministry. Mm -hmm. And so we need to understand that religion, by that I mean leadership, has failed our nation and has failed our world, which is why millennials, many of them, they believe in God. They claim to be spiritual, but they don't go to church. Well, guess what? Their spirit is telling them, if this church doesn't have a move of God and the spirit of God, then I'm not going. And probably it's a good thing at first, but then again, forsake not the assembling of yourselves so much the more as you see the end of approaching. You need to find, like we've got some good preachers on here, Frank Godley. We have, I saw Bill Motley. I see these preachers, mm -hmm. uh, Regina and her husband working there in Gettysburg. There are great churches that are filled with the Spirit. Jeff Williams, mm -hmm. he doesn't know this. A lady said, do you know a good church in Providence? My friend just moved up to Rhode Island. Well, Brother Williams, I gave her King's Cathedral, one of the great churches in New England. Find where the Spirit of God is moving, where the leadership allows for the moving of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you will be blessed. Yeah in great measure because the blessing comes from the giver who is the Holy Spirit. One of the, one of the big things that I see often too, and I'm sure you do, is I have people write in and they say like, I love, I love your teaching. I got, uh, you know, I, I've been healed and I, I receive it. But you know, our, our church won't teach that. Our church is, I dealt with somebody recently. Our church is, is a, a cessationist church. We don't, they don't, they don't believe in the move of the spirit. They don't get out of it they, then. And that's always my right. uh, recommendation is fine. It's, I mean, it's not, it's not like it's 1920, it's 2020. You have yeah. the internet. You can quickly find a spirit filled church. Churches are using SEO. You could just type in spirit filled church and then the name of your city and state. You know what Shambach used to say, brother Shambach said, when you think of a church, think chili pepper, yeah, red hot. right, And that's how you should pick out your church where the spirit of God is moving. There is a fire of God. Yeah. It was like last, last night, my dad was watching a uh, an interview with Brother Shambach. And one of the things he would have to do in those days, because the pastors would not support the move of God or, the, or revival, and basically said to him, if I let my people, if I sponsor your crusade and come to your meeting, uh, my people are going to start to expect miracles to happen at our home church. And he said, that's what they should expect. But they weren't having any move of the spirit. So he'd have all these people saved in a city. And then multiple times, Brother Shambach just planted a church with those that were saved in that crusade. They would buy the building they were renting for the meeting and make it the church. And then in his travels, he'd come back 
to that church and preach to the believers. Every Sunday. Because it's important to have an on-fire church. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I, it's the dumbest thing. When I hear preachers say, well, brother, I don't care where they go to church just as long as they go to church. That's a ridiculous, that's like saying, uh, uh, having a baby, throwing it in the woods, say, I don't care which family you find just as long as you find a family. You know, a baby Christian has to be directed in the same way that an actual baby has to be raised, cared for, and directed. And that's why I don't do these outdoor crusades unless I have, I don't care if it's just one church that sponsors it. Right. I have to have confidence, and we have a follow-up system now that we use more and more, mm-hmm. but you don't throw these newborn babes in Christ to the wolves. I like how AJ just said it. He said, your faith is too precious to stay in a dead church. It's true. It's absolutely right. Where you go to church is a matter of life or death. There are churches that will literally strip your faith away from you. Before they're done, have you believe in that the Holy Spirit's not the one causing you to speak in tongues? It's a demon or that healing is not. You know, my, my, my dad actually had to write a book years ago entitled, Can the Devil Heal? Because so many uh, dead churches are teaching, if you see healing, that's the devil doing it as a work of deception. And if some people, have, well, if people are sick, God's teaching them a lesson. The Lord put that on them. They've flipped the roles of redemption. <laughs> That's a pretty dangerous place to be to attribute the works of God to the devil. And I see some ministers now, well known, if I mention their name, you'd know them, that are literally attributing the works of the Holy Spirit to the devil and having whole conferences to talk about it, put, putting up clips of anointed men of God operating in the Holy Ghost and then openly mocking it in front of thousands of people. And, you know, I mean, it's it, that's you know a I dangerous pray? place to be. God fill them with the Holy Ghost in front of their crowd. Yeah. And then let them explain it. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a Hey, I was sad to see uh, uh, that uh, Dr. Jack Van Empey passed away. I loved yeah. him. One of the greatest joys I ever had was writing a check to his ministry. Yeah. And now his wife, Rexella, is maintaining it. They they recorded a he lot of He was a that. word machine. But he started saying what you're saying right now. This is what prompted my thinking. He said, these churches that don't allow the Spirit of God to move, and he began to list things that was a characteristic of, of these dead, dry churches. Well, let me tell you something. Jack Van Empey was never known as a Pentecostal, but he could have been because he stuck to the word. Mm-hmm. I saw where, I don't know if Sister... Uh, Van Empey will publish it. He said the Lord was telling him to work on a book on the on the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. I hope that, that that he finished that. If he didn't, I've been working on one. God told me to do the same thing. But uh, praise God, Christopher, get out of White Castle, <laughs> run like you've never run. You guys may not realize it if you ever watched. Julie said I always enjoyed watching Brother Jack Van Empey. You may not realize it because you weren't in the studio, but I've uh, know for people that have actually been there and so all of the scripture that he'd quote on those programs. No cue cards, nobody in front of him. He's quoting it out of his spirit. Knew the word of God that thoroughly that he could just quote scripture after scripture after scripture after he's scripture. He's calling him the walking Bible. The walking Bible. Supernatural. Then I mean, my just dad's spent friend, that much word. Charles Crank memorized the whole New Testament. Mm-hmm. And his dad, O.E. Crank, was in the voice of healing. He had a tent. And Brother Crank, Charles Crank, who's still alive, lives down in Florida with his wife. Um, <laughs> he said he'd be driving down the road, driving the big tra- uh, 
tractor and trailer for his dad's tent crusade and he'd be memorizing scripture and he said, I stick one foot out the window to cool myself off. <laughs> I thought, oh my goodness. But anyhow, uh, we thank God. We thank God for the people. Now, uh, there are some things that you need to avoid and we'll get into that in just a moment. We've had people ask, how do I pray in tongues? We've had people ask, uh, I don't know if you saw this, son, uh, about not only praying in tongues, uh, said, I noticed that when you pray, a lot of times you cast a spirit out. I'll explain that. Uh, and uh, the thing is this, ministry is about helping people. Right. Everyone that's a believer should want to help somebody else. This is how that you'll know that you're a Christian by your love. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Right. So uh, he was in person the same as he was on TV. I'm glad. I, I never met him. Well, excuse me. I did meet him in Washington, D.C., but he talked to Brother Shambach. I just learned sometimes to keep my mouth shut when I got around these great men of God. But he, he was very kind and took Brother Shambach to lunch. Brother Shambach said, stay here, I'll be back. Amen. So <laughs> sometimes I fasted because I had to. But anyhow, uh, going with what you're saying, um, here's the thing. There are snares that the devil will try to put in your life to keep you from being used of God. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. You don't do it. You don't wake up in the morning and say, I think I'll destroy my ministry today. Right, yeah. No. You don't do it and say, well, uh, I think today I'll fail in this area. Mm -hmm. No. There are things that lead up to these areas, these snares. The first thing that I felt uh, uh, Bill Sheets, I don't know what you're laughing about, Brother Bill, but I love you. Amen. I must have said something funny, <laughs> or you did. <laughs> the first thing that I believe that we need to avoid the pitfall is being lifted up in pride. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. We must remember when God uses us, it's the Lord that does the work. Yep, absolutely. And I'm saying this, having been used of God all these years, 44 years now, full-time in field ministry, every night when you're laying hands on people, just like the meeting we did a few days ago, in one night, 13 deaf people were healed, mm -hmm. either one ear, both ears. Uh... So many things, so many things that God does. Mm -hmm. Next night, uh, the woman, her eye came open. Uh, bones healed, crippling conditions healed. You get in that flow, and if you're not careful, you begin to feel there's nobody like me. Right, yeah. And it's in that moment that you got to speak to that voice in yeah. your head. I can do nothing without Christ's help. Absolutely. I can do nothing 
Well, that's the quickest way to make Christ. God your opponent. Yeah. He, he opposes the proud, James 4, 6. He resists the proud, one translation. Another, he opposes. If you want to make God your opponent, just be lifted up in pride. Pride is the prerequisite for destruction. Mm. Haughty spirit before fall. I, I remember hearing uh, Pastor Enoch Ataboya, who today is 78 years old today. Wow. He he said, I was walking through the compound of our, our ministry uh, headquarters in Nigeria. So I was just praying through the night. And the Lord stopped me. And he said, bend down in the dirt and write, draw a stick man in the dirt. And he said, I drew it. He said, now the Lord said, now stand up and take your foot and wipe it away. And he said, I wiped the stick man away. And the Lord said to me, if you ever forget mm. who is the one doing the work, if you ever forget who's the one that's the source of the power, if you think it's you, you'll be wiped from the earth and no one will even remember your name. That's what the Lord told him. Nobody will even remember your name. That's a humbling experience. Yeah, that's right. It's not about, as to say, it's not about you. It's about me. And that's... I had a heavy. preacher come to me years ago. Your mother and I went, he took us out, actually bought us a steak dinner. Mm -hmm. On my my money in those days, I had anointed bologna a lot, but I didn't have too much steak. <laughs> so we're standing in the steak line and he turns to me and he said, I'll know when you have the anointing I have. And when you do, I'll let you know. Boy, that... <laughs> Ruin the steak for a minute till I ate the steak. <laughs> so driving back, I said to your mother, what was he talking about? She said, what I got from that was, he wants you to know that he's superior <laughs> in the things of God more than you are, but he'll let you know right. when you reach that status. And I said to your mother, I said, I'm too dumb to even be insulted. I didn't know he was saying it that way. I didn't know. All right, the years go by. And he was greatly used of God. Uh, he had such a move of God in his church, the 700 Club. Pat Robertson covered it uh, in like a, a segment on the 700 Club one time. And he said to me, he said, someday God will put you on television across the nation. But he said, right now it's my turn. Now he's the same age as me. And he said, it'll be a long time before God uses you like this. <laughs> I have no idea what was happening. I, I really didn't. I just thought, eh, you know, something's not right. He was breathing out of the tailpipe of the car. <laughs> I didn't know what his problem was. Well, the years go by and he makes a statement. Now think about this. Pride. When God's using you, it doesn't mean you can just say any thought that comes to your head. Right. And that the power of God that is using you gives validity to every statement you make. True. And he made a statement. It grieved me. And what he said basically was a racist statement against the black folk, African-American people. And at that point... His church went from 800 to 400. And he just kept saying stupid stuff till he only had about 70 people left. Couldn't even pay the bills. And then he left his wife 
or she left him. Mm -hmm. And he goes to another place to minister. A dear man of God brought him in to encourage him and get him back on the road. And then, I'll never forget this. I hear the story. He stole the TV cameras from that ministry, went down the street and started his own television ministry. While the minister was gone, he, he cleans him out. Oh my goodness. True story. Then he remarries. And I heard his new wife is very nice. So this is not about divorce and remarriage, but this is about being lifted up in pride. I wanted to stay on that for a moment. Yeah. So as you know, uh, back in 2002, I went on national television. And I'll say this publicly, Paul Crouch and Jan Crouch took a liking to me. They knew I'd been helping Brother Shambach since uh, 1993 when I first came out and helped him in Buffalo, New York. Stayed with him all those years when he would ask me to come out. His dear daughter, Donna, came by his side, his precious son, Bob, Bruce. I mean, I felt like I was part of the family. I loved Bobby. I loved Bruce. I loved Donna. Sister Shambach and my, uh, your mother, my wife, became very close. And we just really were out there bringing in the harvest. Mm -hmm. In the um, Washington, D.C. crusade, we went through. 10,000 salvation booklets and they had to send back to Tyler, Texas for more. Wow. We had that many people say when he put the tent up in the Bronx and Fort Apache in the Bronx, he hired a guy, I forget the gentleman's name now, to stay for one year and follow up. They had 25,000 salvations. Wow. I mean, I felt like the Lord put me with a wonderful man of God. Never one time did I ever resent God using Brother Shambach. Mm -hmm. Never one time did I ever feel like, why do you use him and not me? I felt like we were a team. I felt like we were all apart when Donna would teach or preach. It was so good. And it was just great. Well, here's the thing. Then this guy that messed up calls my mother, and mom's on here, and he speaks against me. And then a preacher in Nashville, and did you see a tornado killed seven people yeah. in Nashville? Sad. Praying for the families. Yeah. And the pastor said, you know, I heard from so-and-so this and that. And actually, the guy quit having me for a little while. I don't know if that was the reason. It was all lies. The guy got lifted up in pride. And remember what he said? He said, now I'm going to be on national television you will maybe someday, but if not, you know, God's going to use me. And he never got on national television, but the Lord let me go on because I never thought about it. Do you understand? Yeah. You just let the spirit lead you. So the first pitfall, I would say to you, dear folks that are watching, you got to, you got to guard your heart from being proud because we don't do the work, mm -hmm. but Jesus does the work. Absolutely. Koha taborianda Go romando rianda sapapabondiki he. O ramando rabaki. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It's all about Christ. Thank you, Lord. Jesus does the work. So a lot of times people get lifted up in pride, as you quoted the verse there. Pride destroys. Pride will pull you down. So the first thing, every 
minister has to avoid is a haughty spirit, mm -hmm. a proud spirit. Yeah. Because you don't do the work anyhow. Right. It's not by might, Zechariah 4 and 6. It's not by might, nor by power, mm -hmm. but it's by, hallelujah, my spirit saith the Lord. That's it. Hallelujah. By my spirit saith the Lord. Amen. By my spirit saith the Lord. I want every one of you that will to type in the comment section, by his spirit. Would you do that? Amen. Right now, I feel like God is releasing. As you and I agree together, God is releasing a fresh anointing on ministers, on every believer. Mm -hmm. And by coming into agreement and saying, by his spirit, mm -hmm. what you're saying is this. I can do all things mm -hmm. through Christ. I can do all things. And they're starting to type it in by his spirit. Yes. By his spirit. Amen. By his spirit. Yeah. And so the first pitfall, we must not fall temptation to it, succumb to it, is pride. Because when you believe you can do it, you're forgetting it's by his spirit. It's by his spirit. That's it, folks. Type it in. It's by his spirit. Amen. Not by might, not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Amen. There's nothing above him. There's none equal to him. Everything is below his control, and it's under his feet. Mm -hmm. Praise God. Amen. You want God to use you? You want the Lord to anoint you? Then give God all the glory. Mm -hmm. That's why sometimes you hear us say glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Amen. It belongs to him. It belongs to the Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. One time I had my tent up. I can't remember if you were there or not. I think you were. Hello, Brother Nate Pimentel, Shirley Johnson, Don Wagner, by my spirit, by his spirit. I was sitting on the platform, and we'd had a young uh, man. I forget where he was from, what country, but he was living now in New England. Young African, moved here. And his, he played soccer, and Jeff Williams is watching. Jeff... Williams, great soccer player in college, went to Brown University. Mm -hmm. So Jeff will appreciate this. And the, the kid somehow pulled a muscle in his leg and was crippled up. And his daddy brought him to the meeting. I knew his father. Hello, Sean. Uh, I knew his father from when I preached down in Providence. This is when we had the tent up in Concord, New Hampshire. Okay. Power of God touched the young man. He took off running back and forth, back and forth. Why does Ted Jr. look like a bodybuilder? It's the lenses. It's like a, a filter, uh, Cody, a filter. So anyhow, uh, no, it's because he lifts weights. Uh, Ted, I sat down in the chair like this, and I'm watching the people praise God, hands raised. This is New England, mm -hmm. a move of God. 
in New England, in Concord, New Hampshire, Tom Peets, precious man of God, backing the meeting. We were having a time. Well, behind me, I hear a voice. Thank you for doing this meeting. So I turn. I thought it might be Donnie Johnson. or I look. There's nobody there. I actually stood up and pulled the curtain on the back of the platform. There's no one behind the platform. I sit back down. I hear it a second time. Thank you for doing this meeting. Divine approval is so wonderful. Mm -hmm. We thank God. We say glory, glory, glory. Every time you say glory, you're sowing a seed of praise and worship to him. Every time you say thank you, Jesus, you're sowing a seed. Mm -hmm. But did you ever stop to think sometimes God says back to us, thank you. Mm. Because we have this treasure in earthen vessels mm -hmm. that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of ourselves. Yeah. So the first pitfall Pride, the opposite of pride, humility, is humility and Meekness. thanking God, thanking mm -hmm. God. So you would say, obviously we know, you know, sometimes it's confusing for people. You read a scripture like Psalm 75 verses six and seven. The Bible says promotion doesn't come from the east or the west or the south, but promotion comes from the Lord and he alone decides who will rise and who will fall. Mm. But maybe you've read that verse before and thought to yourself, well, how does he decide? Who will rise and who will fall? Is it just by his sovereign choice? He likes that one better than that one? No. He looks. In fact, if we compare that scripture with 2 Chronicles 16, the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro across the earth. For who? People whose hearts are turned toward him. And on those people's behalf, he will show himself strong and mighty. And so if promotion can't come from men, but it only comes from the Lord, and his eyes are looking for a specific kind of person, you have to make up in your mind, I'm going to be that specific kind of person. One of the things that I brought out to you guys a couple of days ago, maybe it was last week, it's interesting, you can look at the life of Moses mm. and you know that the Bible says that in, in Numbers 12, three, I believe it is, that uh, Moses was the meekest man in all of the earth. Then you go back to Exodus 11.3 and you'll see that there was nobody greater other than Pharaoh in the land of Egypt, which was the greatest of anywhere in the world, no one greater than Moses. He was very great, the Bible says, in the eyes of the Egyptians and they envied him. Well, how did he get? Isn't it interesting that the meekest man in the world became the greatest man in the world? Because God, when he sees your meekness, when he sees your humility, remember what Jesus taught on the uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 5, blessed are the meek for they shall what? Inherit the earth. Mm. Meekness is the key to inheritance. The way God raises you up head and shoulders above the rest is when he locates a meek or a humble person. And meekness, my dad, you say the thing he liked about that, Moses himself wrote he was the meekest man on the earth. <laughs> exactly true. Uh, meekness is not weakness. It's divine strength. And so when you think about it in that context, meekness and humility are the foundational keys that will keep you in increase, promotion, blessing, the power of God. Um, and I think it's very interesting too, when you're looking at the subject of pride versus meekness, meekness versus pride or humility, uh, really 
a baseline definition we could give for Bible humility is yielding yourself to just be obedient to what God said to do. True. The most humble thing you can do is just obey God's command and say, well, he does. And, and God, God actually makes that point in Isaiah 55. Remember this. He says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, oh, yeah. so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So God's actually making the point, your thoughts are never higher than mine. Your ways are never higher than mine. So you should link up with mine for they're higher than yours. True humility never thinks it knows more than God. True humility never thinks it has more capability than God. It simply yields to what God wants to do and what he said to do. And of course, if we look at that in Deuteronomy 28, he said, if you'll hearken diligently to what I command you this day, Mm. then... I will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. I heard Bishop Boydepo say it this way. If you obey all commands, you'll be set above all nations. If you obey most commands, you'll be above most nations. Some commands, some nations. No commands, no nations. Your level of obedience, which is humility, determines the level to which God can bless you and promote you. And one thing that uh, our friends in other denominations miss is that, especially those that are always harping on sola scriptura, there's more than just the written word of God. There is the word or the leading guidance of the Holy Spirit. You could obey this entire word and never know who to marry or never know what you're called to do or never know where to go to college or never know what your career is to be or what church to attend, where to move, when to move. But that's why we have the voice of the Holy Spirit, because this gives us general guidelines to life, but the Holy Spirit gives us the specifics of life. Mm. And that's what my father was talking about earlier. The whole, he wouldn't have found that in the Bible. Go and make sure you're in Toronto, Canada by August the 1st. You know, there's no verse that says led that. Led by the Spirit. You, you got to be led by the Spirit. And so we need the Word and the Spirit, and you can be obedient to the Word but like you said at the beginning, miss an instruction from the Holy Spirit because your spirit's not being sensitive. Maybe you haven't been putting the flesh under. Maybe you haven't been fasting and praying. And so you might be a little callous to hearing the voice of the Lord. Paul, the apostle, who was the most impactful man of God outside of Jesus in the New Testament, himself said about himself, I have to buffet my body daily or put it under daily, 1 Corinthians nine twenty seven. So that after having preached to others, I may not become disqualified, one right. translation said. So if the most impactful apostle in the New Testament says that I am on a daily uh, discipline or goal to put this flesh under, how much more do every one of us need to put the flesh under on a daily basis? And the word daily is key because you may receive one instruction like your mother and I did to go to Canada and be there on August 1st mm-hmm. of, that, of that year. But he continues to reveal things for you to do, which proves it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with him. Mm -hmm. Recently, the Lord spoke to me about New England. I I see Jeff Williams is on, and we'll we'll come to King's Cathedral. He's renting a place, and we'll hit it. But I'm going to be in all six states in major cities in New England this summer and fall because of that instruction that came to me on a daily time of prayer, a Mm -hmm. daily 
basis of being in God's presence. Then with that, he fleshes it out. He puts more to the vision, more to the word. And some people say, I don't know what, what I should do. I don't know where I should go. Take the one instruction you have that daily that the Apostle Paul spoke about, your daily newspaper from heaven, your yeah. daily instruction from the throne room of God, your daily hot off the press from heaven word, mm -hmm. and then act on what he gives you. And then if you will, he'll give you more. Absolutely. And in a minute, I want to talk about another pitfall, son, which is uh, what Paul said was the problem with uh, the young man who loved the present world and left the ministry. Mm -hmm. So get ready for that. But in your comment section, I want you to just type in the word daily. Daily. It'll remind you every day, every day, is, and some people don't like to use the word challenge. They feel that's not a faith word. Sure it is. We're up for any challenge because of our faith. Sure. You see, faith does not ignore reality. But faith, think about this now, deals with reality. That's it. Faith does not ignore reality. Faith deals with it. Yeah. So type in like Mindy is and Jay and Missy and all of these people, our dear friend Jeff Williams, type this in daily because every day is a new opportunity yeah. for your faith. Well, it's like Jesus. You know, Jesus said of himself, I am the bread that's come down from heaven. And mm. then he taught his disciples to pray to the Father, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus is the word. There is a daily word for every believer. Lester Summerall wouldn't take a phone call, isn't that right? Until he'd first prayed and got with the Lord. He wouldn't even counsel a pastor or take a phone call, he said, in the morning until he'd first been with the Lord. He learned that from Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth had great influence over Lester Summerall. I've been in meetings where Lester Summerall taught and preached, and I had that privilege. But he said one time, we were in South Bend, it was a Good Friday service, he was teaching out of a book called The Cup of Life. And he dealt with communion, how that every day Wigglesworth personally took communion in his bedroom mm -hmm. and prayed every day before he would meet with anybody. And then Wigglesworth would dance before the Lord. Mm -hmm. Just as a, a little bit of a side, I knew a preacher in the old CCNA, Christian Churches of North America Italians. And one time I was preaching for him up in Montreal and he said, uh, concerning dancing in church before the Lord. This was a big issue across Canada then in those days, uh, maybe in the States, but more so I heard about it. We don't believe you should dance in church and so forth. So he says to me, I don't believe, Brother Ted, we should do anything in church that we don't do in our prayer closet, talking about dancing before the Lord. So I, I turned to him and I said, you don't dance before the Lord in your prayer closet? <laughs> and he got the funniest look on his face like he messed his pants like a little child. <laughs> like when I was raising somebody who I won't mention by name gets that funny look. Well, <laughs> the truth is Wigglesworth danced before the Lord every morning mm -hmm. and would not. So anyhow, a group of preachers came from the Bible school there in Great Britain to talk to him. Yeah, Giovanni, I grew up in Boston. Brother Ferentino loved him. 
also down in uh, uh, south of there, Brother Frenny. I preach for all of them, Giovanna. Nice people. So anyhow, they go upstairs and knock on his door. He doesn't answer. They knock again. Wigglesworth doesn't answer. And finally, the door opens and Wigglesworth yells at him and then slams the door in their face. Brother Summerall said they couldn't believe it. This is the great Wigglesworth, the man of faith, the apostle of faith. They go downstairs. They're very much chagrined. They're embarrassed. What just happened? And Wigglesworth comes down the stairs about 10 minutes later, smiling. Hello, my brethren. You know, he had that Liverpool accent. And, hey, I watch your daughter. You're doing good. And, and they're thinking, Wigglesworth, why did you rebuke us a minute ago? He said, I never start my day talking to men. I start my day talking with God. And Summerall said he picked up on that, that fresh anointing. So before Brother Summerall would start his day, he would uh, speak to God. Right. Yep. Abraham, uh, thank God there are pastors, but what does it have to do with what we're talking about? Amen. Hello, pastors. Wondering if you all can answer me a question. Is prophecy or prophet still an active part of today's church? Is Jesus still alive, Abraham? The Bible says these gifts will work till he comes back. So the answer to your question is yes, and pay attention. You're missing a good point here. So, Michelle, I don't know, can you talk like that to people when they don't seem to be flowing in the spirit? <laughs> I've preached long enough. we got people sitting in the pews don't pay attention. But before people you just, jump People on, just come to try to, to, to cause a problem. Oh, is that what it is? Uh, you know, people, you know. Well, obviously, he doesn't know the Bible, so that's number one. So mark it down, Abraham Velasco. Uh, doesn't understand the scripture. I, I don't know Abraham, Or but... I don't know him either. Or he's a good Baptist, one of the two. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Talking about avoiding the pitfalls. You must have... See, I can feel when someone's going off from the anointing. You can too. If you can't, I'll lay hands on you. Yeah. Demas, Paul said, hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Mm-hmm. Another pitfall that we need to guard against is having a desire for the things of this present world. Yeah. In Mark 4, the Bible says one thing that chokes out the word of God is the cares of this life. Yeah, and the love for riches. And, say it. The love for, or the want for gain or riches. Love for money. So, money's not evil. The Bible says the love of money right. is the root of all evil. So you hear me. You preachers that are on here, stay with what I'm teaching. Amen. The pitfall of having the desire to have the things of the world will rob you of the things of the spirit. Absolutely. Notice, and I believe in prosperity, I believe in increase, but most of the ministers that preach strong on the prosperity message as far as having the things of the world do not have supernatural manifestations in their meetings. I know I've watched. I'll tell you someone I do like that I believe is very balanced and strong is Jerry Savelle. You know him? Yes, I do. Jerry Savelle is one of our fine preachers of the gospel. Thank God for Brother Savelle. 
And the thing I like about Brother Jerry, he sticks to the word. But I notice in some of the meetings, like Brother Copeland's Believers uh, uh, Conventions and so forth, Brother Savell will call people down and start laying hands on him. He'll get uh, Jesse and, and, and Kenneth, and, and they lay hands on the people. There's a balance to these things. Mm -hmm. But Demas got out of balance. Right. He loved the things of the world. He wanted to have a shirt that had an alligator on it. He, <laughs> he, <laughs> that's Lacoste. He wanted the things of the world more than, now think about this. Paul was used of God to change Asia Minor. Yeah. Until every household received the gospel. Right. He was focused. He was committed. Mm -hmm. He even stopped and made tents to keep this thing rolling, to keep right. it rolling. The truth is, a lot of times I believe that people allow the cares of this life, the love for this world and for present things to become a pitfall in that it pulls them away from the anointing. Yes. Pulls them away from the anointing. And so the second area that I believe very important, we should guard against the desire for things. Now, it's not wrong to have things. Right. But to put that above the anointing and ministry and life is wrong. Right. Brother Oral Roberts, who many of you younger ones probably won't know, he used to tell us, I was in a meeting in Dallas, Texas, and he said this, the three G's you have to guard against is the gold, the glory, and the girls. Talking about, number one, money. Gold being the things of this world. Mm -hmm. The glory, that's the pride issue we just right. dealt with. And then girls, that's the area of temptation in the flesh, which if we have time, we'll get to. Uh, and I, I pray that we do. So it is important that we understand it's not wrong to prosper. It is God's will to bless you. Right. What is wrong, what is wrong is when you put prosperity above the anointing. Right. What good does it do to drive the finest vehicle in the world? Right. But you can't set someone free that's bound by demon powers. Sure. So I, I say it this way, uh, son. We, we, um, we, must, we must have the area, girls or guys, hopefully that's women's <laughs> temptation, but billion, eight, if that's your temptation, I'm going to lay hands on No, I know he's a nice person. I don't know if it's a guy or a girl. They won't reveal their identity. Oh, they won't reveal. Uh, money is a big issue for a lot, for the whole world, not just America. Yeah. What father doesn't want his family to do well, whatever the nation? What mother doesn't want her children to have full provision? Right. So this is an issue that affects the whole globe. Yeah. But I'm talking to ministers now. I'm talking to you that are believers that want God to use you. Billion eight is a girl. We'll take your word for it. Amen. <laughs> so here's what we need to understand. Priorities. Yeah. When your priority is wrong, it can become a pitfall. Right. I think the biggest thing for people to understand, if this, don't let it be confusing to you. God wants you to activate your covenant of prosperity. He wants you to activate the blessing of Abraham, wants you to be a blessing to your generation, wants you to overflow, wants you to prosper. A great picture I think would be though, it's like I saw a pastor one time. When you put the prosperity for yourself 
over the prosperity for your purpose, what God's called you to do, you let that suffer so that you can abound, it's a problem. It's like I saw a pastor one time, drives around town in a brand new Escalade, personally, nothing wrong with that. I'm I'm happy when pastors prosper. I had two Escalades. But his church had indoor-outdoor carpeting in it, patio carpeting. Right. You, You don't let the work of God suffer so that you can abound personally. If you'll put God first, he'll he'll put you first. And the house of God is a priority. Always. Even in the natural realm of making it to be a very pleasant and welcoming place for people to come to. Absolutely. And it's it's most likely the reason. I mean, you think about what happens. Most people, the average person is not disciplined enough to abound and stay diligent. That's why Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. If you've and, and I, I know my dad's seen this. I've in just the short time I've ministered, I, I've experienced this. Many times, people that have all the resource they need, people that have every, there, there's no need in their life, they think they've got things all figured out and don't need you to tell them anything. Doesn't need the church to tell them anything. Now, not everybody's that way, but you could lean. If you get into the flesh, it's easy to lean that way mm-hmm. because you don't have need. But see, that, that's why the Bible is very interesting when it tells stories about people who are without. People that are without become desperate for a solution, an answer. And that's why you see them come to Jesus in the way that they do, because they need a miracle. They need... Always... And, and you know what? Think of this. We have precious friends, nice mm-hmm. people that are watching. But notice how very few of them, as they receive the word, give an offering. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that they're wrong in not doing it. I'm just saying, if everybody understood prosperity mm-hmm. and the priority of the kingdom, then you would be giving right now into this work that my son is doing because I tell you, he's doing a great work. And yet, there's even that area. And let me tell you the other word to balance that out, stewardship. Yeah, Stewardship. Sure. I have never had anything God told me to do that he didn't eventually somehow paid for. But what we're talking about is this. When you allow prosperity, when you allow the things of the world Mm -hmm. to drive you more than the anointing and the power of God. You know what I'm going to do one of these days? I just, this comes up my spirit. When I do my Facebooks, I'm going to challenge because they tell me two, 3000 people watch. I'm going to challenge people to test their faith. And what do I mean by that? Uh, uh, it makes no difference. One of the reasons you folks are unemployed is because somewhere you you stop tithing and giving to God, Karen. This is what I'm teaching you right now. It is a pitfall if you put it ahead of everything else, but Karen's helping us here. This is beautiful. And I'm sorry to hear that, by the way. But Karen's uh, emphasizing a point. When you don't do it, when you're not a giver, then there is, tithers and givers are not unemployed. People Correct. that tithe and they're give, blessed. they're blessed. Of That's course. the scripture. I have to believe the Bible. So do I ignore dear uh, sister Karen? No, they have an actual need. But what I am saying is you got, you got to start by giving God something. Of course. I know a man, little Richard, the rock and roll singer, it's his uncle. I knew his uncle, and um, he and his wife used to go to Brother Shambach's meetings in New York uh, City. When he became, they used to call him Power Partner Peniman, 
Brother Peniman, he started by giving 25 cents in a tent meeting. That's all he had. Everybody's got something. When people tell you I have nothing to give, you need to go take another look because there's always something. I knew a guy that ripped the brass button off his coat and put it in an offering. And I heard him testify. Some lady came to him and said, the Lord told me to give you this. It was a tin candy open. It was filled with buttons. Right. Whatever you sow will come back to you. Yeah. But you can't allow finances to become the motivating factor for ministry or as a, a believer. You see what I mean? You've got to believe God, folks. Somewhere you've got to say, I'm going, I'm going to trust God. So Brother Penniman did that. Then he stepped it up to 50 cents. Then he stepped it up to a dollar. And the people that ran the apartments where he and Sister Penniman lived came to him and said, we want you to become the apartment manager. And he got promoted. And he went from 10 to 25 to 100. And his increase financially came, but he started with 25 cents. Mm -hmm. The other man I told you about started with a button off his coat. Yeah. Whatever we do, we must not allow, and here's a good way to say it to help Karen and others. We must not allow the lack of money or the love of money, mm -hmm. uh, the lack of money right. or the love of money right. to keep us from obeying God. Yeah. See, Karen said, yeah, I have some. I just thought it had to be a lot. And I understand that, Karen, and I think preachers are responsible for not communicating properly to the people because we, we need to understand that, um, yes, that's, that's a good way to say it, having a scripture, obedience better than sacrifice. So when we do this, and I'm talking right now to ministers, son, do you know how many preachers I've known over the years that took up other jobs right. to subsidize the call and then they let the call go because the jobs was right. doing them better? Which by the way, scripturally, a preacher should never have to do ever. Paul did it to prove a point and then taught against it in his letters. Right. If your pastor has to work a secular job to pastor you, you're not doing the job of giving that you should be doing. No right. man of God, according to the inspired word of God, should have to work a secular job and then be expected to minister to God's people. But there are times if you're a father, you have children, you'll do whatever you got to do. Of course, the person Like will when your do mother it. and I were younger, we didn't have people given to our right. ministry. People will do it. But what happened was... They shouldn't have to do it. I'd go out and pick up bottles. I'm yeah, just telling you. For sure. And I'd take them and redeem them and then go buy diapers for someone that's sitting in this studio right now. Yeah, people will do it. And then your mother... But will, they shouldn't have She to. got like a job at Penny's. Yeah. But it wasn't because we lack faith. No. We had to take care the of people the people weren't giving. That's what it was. Well, basically that's true. But <laughs> we I, never... Got mad at God. No. Well, after that year, mom was at Penny's working the Christmas holidays. I was picking up bottles. I said to your mom, I said, this stops. Mm -hmm. If God can't provide and bless us, right. then what am I doing representing him? Right. So I went up to New England and a guy gave me a book by Dr. John Avenzini, The Wealth of the Wicked. Mm -hmm. I have it. And I read that book. The I never the pearls hold the pearls. I never heard anything like this. He, at that time, he was working with Morris Sorello. Mm -hmm. And I said, honey, read this. She read it. I read it. So I said, you know what we're going to do? We were in a meeting. I was the evening speaker. The day speaker uh, was um, Jesse Rich. You remember Jesse? Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm going to give all of our money 
away. I leaned over to her. He was taking an offering. She said, all of it? And this was the first time in years, Karen, first time in years my wife and I had any extra money. I'm talking about we got married in 1977. He was born. Now we're in 1983. Six years, first time we ever had any extra money, and it was four $100 bills that was in my wallet. And just as sure as I'm sitting here, I believe it was, my wife calls it the money test. I believe if God was going to use me as a minister, I think I was putting my faith in those four $100 bills. But I had said to the Lord, no more are we going to you know, work at pennies and pick up pop bottles and take them in. So she said, I know the Lord's telling you to give that four 100s. I said, yeah. Well, I did. At the end of that camp meeting, Jesse Rich came up to me, precious man, great guy, said to me, here's your check. I went to take it. He pulled it back. He said, we've never given any speaker this much money. He goes to hand it to me. I reached to take it. He pulls it back. He said, you know, this is hard for me to release it. <laughs> he did it again. I said, Jesse, fight the devil for yourself. <laughs> Either give it to me or leave me alone. So he said, well, here, he said, we want to bless you. I didn't open it right then. Your mom and I got in the car. This was in West Springfield, Massachusetts. I drove down the street and there was a, a street light there and a, a little restaurant. <clears throat> and um, I said, I'm going to see how much that check was. So I get out of the car and uh, I open it. It was the largest offering up until that time I'd ever received. Usually, if I preached in Assembly of God churches, they gave you $50 a service. And on Sunday, they give you 100 No matter what came in, that's how they did it. And so if I preached Sunday through Wednesday, it was usually... Um, about $150. Some churches may have given you 200 but generally not. And in the CCNA churches, they just give you the offering in a brown paper bag, but they had a big feast in the basement at the end of the service, so that made up for it. Uh, every church was different, but I loved it. I loved the work. I loved the people. Well, I'll never forget this. <laughs> I opened it, and you know how much that check was for? Four million dollars. Four thousand? Four thousand. That was a joke. I just want to see what he'd do. <laughs> it was four thousand dollars. Now, the first year I traveled, 1976, 2,500 came in. From 77 to 1981, I never had more than 5,000 come in in the whole year. In 82, I had 10,000 come in. Now I'm in 1983, and one offering is $4,000. Praise God. Well, I showed your mother, and she said, we were in front, of, the, the restaurant was called D'Angelo's. They mm -hmm. make subs. She said, well, that must mean we have money to eat. I said, <laughs> I, don't, I have a check. I, I gave all my cash. And your mother cracks me up. She said, well, well here's $10. She had 10 in her purse. <laughs> so I went in and I, I got a hamburger sub with cheese uh, and she and got it cut in half. And she ate half, I ate half. And you, you were in the back just singing under the... I, I don't even know if you were a year old then because <laughs> you were born in 82. In August. In August so he'll soon be 50 years old. He looks great. <laughs> no, he's not. But the thing was... 
I had felt like quitting. So when we say avoid the pitfall of the cares of this life right. of the world, that's both the love of money and the lack. And the lack of money. Yeah. Both the love of money and the lack of money. And one thing I can say, son, I've never quit. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that would be helpful for people to always remember as like a watermark, because she asked, does it matter? Uh, Karen asked on YouTube, does it matter what you give? It's important to remember this always. We can, we can know this because of a, par a story about Jesus in the Bible. God does not ever judge what you give by what you give. He judges what you give by what's left over after what's you give. What's left over. That's it. The way we know that is because in the temple, Jesus is watching the offerings being given. And all these rich men are casting their offerings right. in. But a woman comes in with care, places two mites into the offering. And Jesus turns to the disciples and says, this woman just gave more than all these other men. And the disciples were blown away. They said, how can that be? Mm. Have you not seen what they were giving? He said, yeah, but they gave from their abundance, but she gave all she had. So what does that mean? Jesus, by the spirit, knew what she had and what they had. And Jesus was making a point. They had plenty. This was a drop in the bucket for those wealthy men. For this woman, it was everything mm -hmm. that she had. It's like that story about the, the pig talking to uh, the chicken, chicken for breakfast. For the offering. For the, pastor, the offering, he said. Pastor receiving yeah. an offering from a pig and a chicken. Yeah. Go right ahead. Yeah, he said. Uh, Very scriptural. For, for breakfast, you know. This, uh, the chicken said, I can't believe I have to give this give this offering again. And you know, I had to lay an egg. The pig was crying. He said, for you, it's an offering. For me, it's a sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to have ham and eggs. Yeah. That's right. So <laughs> you understand that. What you do for the Lord is based on where you are right now. Yeah. You know, somebody... Because you, you can grow in these things. Of course. Things. Yeah. You, you could be sitting in an auditorium. And that, that's why if a minister stood up and said, I believe everybody here tonight is supposed to give $1,000. Well, some people could do it without thinking. Right. Other people would have to knock over a 7-Eleven to do it. <laughs> and so, you know, you understand, not everybody's in the same place. But your faith is tested right. by where you are currently. And God will test you along those lines. Absolutely. But he'll never ask you to give something that, how can you give something that you don't have to give? You understand? So God may ask you like he's done for my father many times. I've done it multiple times. Give everything you have. Mm. And so you understand whatever God asks you to do, you'll have the ability to do it or else he'd be unjust to ask you to do it. Sometimes, and now think about this. Think about this 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 uh, thought. I was reading the other day and, and pay close attention to how I word this because God knows everyone's heart. He knows what you will do and what you won't do. You know, Jesus taught about close attention. Jesus taught about the uh, the the state of your heart. In the, he said in the old covenant, Moses taught you that if you commit adultery, it's a sin. In the new covenant, I'm telling you, if you do it in your heart, it's a sin. So if you think about it, that's the negative aspect. If you think it, if yeah. you commit it in your heart, you've done it. But think about that. If that's true negatively, it's also true positively. That God says, if you tell the Lord in your heart, I will do it. He knows your heart. He knows whether you tell him the truth or not. I will do it. This happened to me. I was in a meeting and uh, the Lord said to me, they were taking up an offering and the Lord said, and put a, a young evangelist in my heart. And he said, uh, there's, there's a watch that you have. I want you to give that watch 
to that young evangelist. Now, I was in another part of Florida and the watch was back here at my house. Well, I had to come back in between the revival and go back. And so I said, Lord, I'll do it. When I get back to my house, I'll get the watch. When I come back to this revival, I'll give it to that evangelist. I had already said yes in my heart. It's already done. God knows the moment I say yes, it's done. That night, I go up to the minister who's holding the revival to his office, and he just had a funny look on his face. He looked at me and said, what watches do you have? That's, that's a funny question to ask somebody. He said, what watches do you own? And uh, so I just, I told him what I had. And he walked into his dressing room, into his, his closet, and he came out with a beautiful watch. He said, try this on. And I tried it on. And he said, the Lord just told me to give you that watch. And I looked at it. Now the watch was worth easily 10 times what the one I was going to give away. But think about this. I had not physically given the watch away yet, but in my heart, it was already done. In the same way that Jesus said that if you commit it in your heart, it's done in the positive sense. If God knows you've committed to it in your heart, think about this, before you call, I will answer you. Mm -hmm. Jesus answered me with a harvest because he knew I'd already sown it in my heart. It's done. And of course I went home, got the watch, brought it back that week and sowed it into the evangelist life. But understand that God tests you where you are currently. There's a reason why the Lord's never asked me to sow a $1 million seed. I don't have a million dollars to sow. But if I did, there would be a time. Notice this. Thank you, Eduardo. Love you, man. As you increase, as you increase, as you increase, your level of sowing should always increase with the level God raises you to. When I was young, we used to have... uh, BGMC, Boys and Girls Missions. For missions yeah. to reach other nations. And yeah. we had a, B, a a buddy barrel, we called it. It was a little mm. yellow barrel. They used to be wooden, but when I was a kid, they were plastic. Yellow barrel. You'd put all your change in it, save it up, and then on BGMC Sunday, you'd bring it in and give it for missions as a little boy living around children's church. Well, if I was still at 38 years old, bringing in a sock full of change to give in the offering, there's something wrong with me. If I'm still giving $14.25 in quarters to the Lord at 38 years old, why? Back then, at nine years old, $15 is a lot of money to a nine-year-old. Back then especially. Now, if I'm giving $15 in an offering plate and then going to Taco Bell after, which I have done in the past, and drop $60 on tacos and quesadillas, there's a problem. Yeah. When my taco money is more than my missions money. Yeah. So as God increases you, your level of sowing has to increase to match the level God's placed you. Who was it just said? I read it the other day. When God takes you to the next level of uh, prosperity, you have to raise your level of giving. Absolutely you have to. Because see, the, the same seeds don't mean the same thing to you anymore. I remember the first time I ever gave $100. I thought it was amazing. I don't think that anymore. I remember the first time I ever sowed a thousand dollars. I was a young, I was either, I think I was young twenties, maybe late teens, young twenties. When I first sowed a thousand, I thought, man, this is where I'm at. Now I'll be able to do this for the rest of my life. Well, it doesn't mean the same anymore that it used to. And the same is true for my father and any person that's faithful. It takes you consistently being introspective. Where has God placed me now? What am I doing for him? And that has to always be, that is a big taco. There's my friend Alan Mushagan. That's a big taco. And you have to always be introspective. What, you always say it this way, what takes faith for me to do? 
What's an offering of faith? What takes faith for me to do? Yeah, if, if you're not using your faith, it, it's not going to work because an offering of faith means I don't think I can afford to do it, but I'm going to do it as an act of faith. And when you do, <coughs> it propels you into the next level. But don't forget, this area, second area, uh, the pitfall, mm -hmm. it's not only the love of money like Demas mm -hmm. in the Bible, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. It's also the area of lack. People get discouraged. Sure. If God is so good, why don't I have what I need to have? Mm -hmm. So it has to be addressed biblically, scripturally. One out of every three things Jesus taught had to do with money or stewardship. Yeah. So if Jesus felt 30% of his ministry was to teach people about uh, their money mm -hmm. and stewardship, you know, what in the world's wrong with some of you preachers? You should be teaching your people. When God laid out the curses and the blessings in Deuteronomy 28, if you'll do a, an actual blessing by blessing, a curse by curse study of that scripture, 63% of the curse dealt with their finances as a nation and, and individual. as a nation, that's right. 63% of the curse of the law. And so it's, it's, it's absolutely true. Remember this, anything you don't do in faith isn't even pleasing unto God. And you remember this, always remember, God is not required to accept every offering that's given. That's the it. story of Cain and Abel proves that. Right. He accepted Cain, uh, Abel's offering, rejected Cain's. Which means your offering has to be based on obedience to God's word. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's interesting. You, you, get, you want to get extremely strong about it. You go to the book of Romans and find that the Bible says... Anything that does not proceed from faith is sin. Mm. And so everything we do should be by an instruction of the Lord. I always want to know what does God want? What does God want me to do? And that goes back to the very first thing you said. Mm -hmm. But as you said, Demas uh, forsook Paul because of the love of the things of this world. I think if God could, God can't bless every Christian or minister at the same level because he knows if he did, they would lay off mm -hmm. of what he wanted to have done. Some people, and, and this is the sad truth, some people have to be at a state of, I, I need more, I need more, I need more, just so they'll press in. You know what I mean by that? Yeah, I think so. Because there's some people that don't even pray unless there's a crisis. They don't even fast unless there's a crisis. What that, The point I was making earlier... Action and reaction. Yeah. The point I was making earlier being that... Most people are not disciplined enough to continually press in hard when things are going well. I heard, I, heard, uh, I can't remember if it was Bishop Oyedepo or Pastor Adeboye preached this. He said, God doesn't just check in on you to see how you're reacting when things are going wrong, when there's an attack. He checks in on you to see how you're doing or what you're doing when things are going well. When he's blessed you, when he's prospered you, when he's lifted you up, he checks to see how you're reacting towards him in the times of blessing. Because he wants to see that you continue to give him glory and pursue your call. See, sometimes there was a song we used to sing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You remember that? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't remember all the words. but Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Well, he brought me. Oh, yes, he brought me. A mighty, mighty long way. Mm -hmm. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Well, 
it's easy to say that when things are going well. Right. But when you're up against it, when things aren't going well, thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. So what we're saying in this area, this second area of pitfall, whether it's love of money or lack of money, can you praise God in the condition yeah. of a lot without being drawn out of the work of God? Mm -hmm. Can you praise God when you have lack and not be discouraged and not give up and not quit. And will you continue to obey his commands when it seems like there's not, I said yesterday, people probably think I'm crazy. They cause I've had people say, well, I would like to tithe, but you know, we're right strapped to the, to the hill. I said, if it came down to tomorrow, either we would pay our tithes or my kids could eat. The whole family would be fasting and God would get his tithes. Yeah. Let and me tell you a story about that. I have a story. When your mother and I first started traveling for eight years, we didn't have a home or an apartment. We lived in the car, carried your little baby stuff in the trunk till I sprung the trunk and the rain would ruin my stuff. But I was in Virginia Beach in January, had no meetings, and my dad and mom lived there. So dad said, here, stay at the house. He and mom were going to California to dedicate a church out in California. He said, the only thing I want you to do is just pay for the kerosene for the heaters and, uh, you know, take care of the house. So we come to supper and mom found some Velveeta cheese and broccoli and a little piece of hamburger and made like a stuffed meatloaf with it. We didn't even have enough ketchup. She put water in it, shook it up, poured it on it, and then put it back in to cook. Watered down meatloaf with Velveeta cheese and broccoli. So she brings it out. The thing about that, it shrinks. It looked like enough for me. I wasn't sure about her. So I bow my head and I, a lot of feelings in those days. I'm preaching hard, laying hands on everybody, going overseas, funding my own trips. I mean, a lot of things. Well, I start praying the anointing comes on me and I feel the Holy Ghost and I'm thanking God for that little shriveled up piece of meatloaf. Well, the phone rings. This is before caller ID or anything. And the Lord said, that's so-and-so. He's got $1,000 for you. I jumped out of the chair. I said, just a minute, dear. I picked up the phone. I said, hey. And I called him by his first name. How did you know it was me? I said, you got $1,000 for me, don't you? How did you know that? Well, he said, my wife must have called you. I said, no, the Lord just spoke to me. I said, I need that money. Where are you at? I said, meet me down at the parking lot at Rose's. I jumped in my car, I said to Bonnie, I'll be back. And as I'm going out the door, I grabbed the empty uh, uh, gallon uh, kerosene uh, tank things mm -hmm. and put them in the car. I go down there. He pulls up. He's driving a big old Mark IV Lincoln with a sweet blue color with a black vinyl top. He comes in there like he owns the world. I said, give me that money because I knew the bank was going to close in a few minutes. I didn't have any money. Well, aren't you going to say... Thank you or hello? I said, hello, thank you. And I took it and I jumped in my car and I drove right over to Dominion Bank, went through the drive-thru, filled out a deposit slip. And the girl said, we're about to close. I said, I only need, and I took maybe $300 of that thousand out in cash. So I went over to Food Lion. I went in, I got two big carts because we had no food, just that shriveled up meatloaf. <laughs> And in one cart, I put in steaks and chickens and turkey 
breasts and hams and bacon and hamburger. I loaded up the other one. I put in vegetables, not a whole lot, stuff like that. Went up, paid cash for it. Went across the street to the, back then it was called Esso instead of Exxon. Yeah. Filled it up with kerosene, filled my car up, went back home. And I wrote out a check for the tithe, $100, wrote out more. Uh, and I put it in the church that Sunday. And I said, honey, we'll eat the meatloaf later. And we grilled up a big old steak and potatoes because I'd grab a couple bags of potatoes. We had steak, potatoes, and salad, and vegetables, and homemade bread that, uh, or not homemade bread, but rolls that I bought that taste like homemade bread. We ate it. And my wife's happy, and I'm happy, and you were little. I don't know what you were, but we <laughs> took care of you. But here's the point. I had no money. I didn't know what we were going to do. But in prayer, and one way you can avoid the pitfalls and I, I've got several. Are we doing any more this week on yeah, this? we'll be back again tomorrow. Because uh, I see it's afternoon. Uh, you avoid the pitfalls through prayer and obedience, mm -hmm. no question. So as I'm sitting there eating that juicy sirloin steak, baked potato, all that God blessed us with, what a difference two hours made, just two hours, from my present condition to the future condition that now was my present. We've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. God will turn things around. Now, this is what I believe. He would have not have done that if your mother and I had not been tithing and giving to the work of God. Absolutely. What did I do when I got home? I wrote out a check for the tithe. I wrote out another one for an offering. Mm -hmm. So 200 of the 1,000 went to God. 300 was groceries, kerosene, and even with that, even with that, I still had $500, which paid my car payment. My insurance the car payment was $169. Insurance in those days was 80 some dollars. And I still had extra money. Mm. The point is, where you're at right now, where you're at right now, Brother Vargas is expecting 5000 in the Argentina crusade. Yep. And we'll believe with you for that, sir. But hear me, folks, where you're at right now mm -hmm. is not where God is taking you. Right. The difference between tithe and offering, Karen, in Leviticus, the Bible says the tithe is the Lord's. That's a tenth. Mm -hmm. Ten cents out of every dollar belongs to God. It's not even yours. When you don't tithe, you're a thief and a robber, Malachi tells us. Wherein do we rob you? In the tithe and the offering. So it's not just the tithe. Not just the tithe. Well... The offering is in the Bible. There were three offerings, tithe, free will offerings, and alms or taking care of the poor. When Jesus came, he didn't do away with any of those offerings, mm -hmm. but he fulfilled them. Right. And so the atonement offering was symbolic of what Jesus would do on the cross. Mm -hmm. But here's the deal, Karen, to help you a little bit. 10% out of every dollar is your tithe. Anything you give above that is your seed to have more money come to you. Everything you give above the tithe, you should have a local church. You should have a pastor. I see Jeff Williams is on. Every one of Jeff's people should be, and I'm sure they are, taught this. 10% of what you made this week comes to the work of God. Mm -hmm. 
what you are believing for increase, add to the tithe. When I went to Bible school, Dr. Hero, who was our pastor, well, had this big golden bowl down on the altar, on the communion table. So everybody brought their tithe to the golden bowl. Then they passed the plates for your offering so that people understood the tithe belongs to God. The offering is what I'm sowing for my next uh, harvest of increase. Mm -hmm. And I have done that now since I was a little boy. I made a dollar. My dad said, make sure you put a dime in the offering on mm -hmm. Sunday. I did. Then I was a newspaper boy. I made a dollar and a quarter yeah. a week delivering... 40 houses for the Patriot News in Harrisburg. Well, you can't give God 12 and a half cents. So I was generous. I gave God a quarter. Didn't know I was increasing myself. I had a dollar. Dad took me down to the bank in Sharmerstown and said, put your dollar in there. So I'd paid my tithe and given an offering. So 10, a a 12 and a half was the tithe and 12 and a half was the offering. Cents. That's how I started. Then I became 16. And I tried to get a job, and so I work a job for one week of the summer, and I make two thousand dollars cleaning pools, getting them open for the summer, cutting yards, washing cars. One one week, two thousand dollars. Sixteen years old. My dad only made seventy five a week. Well, the Lord said to me, "Give all that money to World Missions." So on Sunday, we went in, and I gave the two thousand to World Missions. After that, I got a job in a factory, 16, too young to be in the union. But Mr. Tuttle, who was the union steward, who went to my dad's church, he said, if you pay the Boilermakers Union your first week's wages, we'll hire you. Well, that's a done deal because now I got a guaranteed income after taxes, $68.90 some cents every week. I drove a forklift, 16, had to be 18 to be in the Boilermakers Union. I was the youngest boilermaker in the United States. I don't know if Jimmy Hoffa knew it, but I was. <laughs> I was in the union. Well, got to Bible school, and it just kept growing. Talking about what you just said, increase. More and more and more. Now, sometimes I'll sign contracts for television. And, it, you know, I might have a quarter of a million dollars of contracts before I even start the year to preach the gospel on television. And it works. I might have another quarter of a million for salaries for my offices in Canada and our uh, fulfillment office in West Virginia, my other office in Virginia Beach where Bill uh, uh, maintains it because we're incorporated there. If you'd have ever told me I'd have three offices, staff, our road crew, paying what we're paying, I would have probably not gone into the ministry. But you see, God is all wisdom. He's all intelligence. Friend, he's only, he's only going to take you a little at a time, but you determine the speed of your increase and how you'll increase. So don't get discouraged. Don't get weary and well-doing. Uh, what did you do with the meatloaf? Brother Nemeth, he thinks with his stomach right now. Susie didn't feed you today? No. You know what I did? I cut it in half and put it on bread the next day and ate it as a sandwich. Amen. <laughs> Broccoli, Velveeta cheese, and all. <laughs> I love friends. We love you guys and appreciate you being with us today. We're going to come back tomorrow morning, 1030. Tomorrow. My father will be back with us again tomorrow, 1030 a.m. 
Do not miss it. If this broadcast was a blessing to you, listen, tomorrow's going to be powerful. This week is going to be powerful. And then Friday, I fly out for uh, Detroit, Michigan, and we're going to be there at Lakeside Assembly of God uh, through the week. And then I'll be up in Imlay City, uh, Michigan, uh, at Gateway for uh, Sunday as well. And all that information is on MiracleWord.com. And uh, we want you to join us. We want you to be there in the meeting. It's going to be powerful. If you're anywhere close uh, to Detroit, and if you're, listen, it's 2020. It's an easy plane ride from wherever you are. It's a, it's a worthwhile thing to put yourself in the presence and power of God. Maybe you're believing for a, a miracle. This is a time to take a moment to travel from wherever you are, be a part of what God's doing, and we're believing God will Karen wants to know, how does she sow a seed? And so it's easy, actually, uh, Karen, to sow seed. Love you, Joe. Um, there are multiple ways anybody can do it. We want to encourage you to sow a seed today. Uh, you can go to miracleword.com. Uh, obviously, if you like to give with an app, you can use PayPal, Cash App, Venmo. All the information is on the screen. And if you're on Periscope or Facebook, you can simply put hashtag donate in the comments section. For people, we do have a few people that still like to mail a check in the mail and trust and believe God that the postal service will get it to us intact. Uh, if you'd like to do that. <laughs> now, the lady said about praying in tongues. Yeah. That's tomorrow. Yeah. So you don't get everything you want when you want it, but you will get it if you're faithful to tune in tomorrow. Absolutely. Because I'm going to be teaching on the pitfall of a powerless life. Absolutely. And so those of you that are uh, sewing today, listen, don't forget for every person that is uh, partnering with us this month, $85 or more, we're going to be sending you this powerful book by Brother A.A. Allen that we mentioned at the beginning, The Price of God's Miracle Working Power, uh, a, a life-changing, ministry-changing book. Jesus appeared to him in his prayer closet and gave him a list of things that needed to be done for him to flow in signs, wonders, and miracles. They'll change your life. We're going to send it to you as well uh, as our gift to say thank you. Listen, anybody that's uh, sowing $1,000 or more this month, we encourage you to do so to stand with us in partnership. We're going to be sending you, this is one of my favorite new tools, the Genuine Leather Life Application Study Bible, the New Living Translation, filled with notes, maps, profiles, timelines, uh, all kinds of uh, things to help you study the word more deeply, more clearly. And real leather. Yeah, I the love The reason that. I say that, a lot of the new Bibles, they don't... Bonded leather or they plastic. They don't make it out of leather anymore. I love having a leather Bible. And this... I think they're afraid they're going to offend the cows. <laughs> but may I just say that cows have calves and we got plenty of cattle. <laughs> That's true. This is in India. Not to mention that. India Jesus, has more cows. Jesus cast demons into a whole herd of pigs and sent them over the hill. Yeah. So I want to send that to PETA today if you're watching. Um, <laughs> we love you guys so much. And Who's Peter? Yeah, that's the. Uh, they're always in protection of the animals. And well, that's you know, a nice thing. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing. Protect them till I kill them. <laughs> till we eat them. Um, <laughs> no, you kill them first. Kill them and eat them. Yeah. Uh, Tay is in New York City, Brooklyn. Praise God. I remember her. And so, listen, we love you guys. Thank Did you that for being just a part. Ruin your Facebook. You no, know, talking about killing cows. Not at all. You want to buy? I've me talked a, about much worse. You want to than buy that. me a steak? Absolutely. And some crab legs. <laughs> yeah, Lord. Cattle. Yeah, way to go, Karen. We love you guys, man. We appreciate it. Listen, don't forget, too, if you've not gotten a chance to check out Miracle Word University, brand new courses available. 
uh, Mountain Moving Faith. You can go to miracleworduyou.com and, uh, and check out that new course. All the courses, of course, we know we've bundled them for you in, in one course, all four, 20 plus hours of teaching for only $199. That's getting a course for free, 28% off. And uh, we even have a plan where you can pay $50 a month over the next four months to be a part of this. It will bless you. And uh, listen, we've got a brand new magazine. Of course, this is our winter magazine that's already shipped, but we've got a brand new magazine coming out in just a few weeks for the spring edition. If you're not signed up to receive these, go to miracleword.com forward slash live, fill out the form. As you do, we'll send you every magazine that comes out for free and I will email you a brand new uh, ebook for you, 40-day devotional, Praise, Laugh, Repeat. You'll get it for free. We'll send it directly to you uh, to tell you how much we love, love you. Don't forget also to go to MiracleWordKids.com and, uh, and get the new resources for the month of March. We're going through the book of Proverbs with your children, and there's memory verses, all kinds of free resources for your kids to build their faith, get them in the presence of God. You're not going to want to miss it. We've already been getting, there's like some competitive kids out there. We've already, what was it? Sunday was the day we launched it, March 1st. While we're sitting in the service, it's only been live for like two hours. Carolyn's getting all these videos from the parents of the kids that have already done all their memory verses and sending the videos, reciting their memory verses in already. Uh, yeah, Jenna's saying, if you've moved, please email us your new address to update it at Jenna at Miracle Word. I don't know what she typed there. MiracmeSword.com. No, that's not our website. Jenna at MiracleWord.com. And we'll change All right, it. Jenna. We'll update your coming address. out of your paycheck. <laughs> Would you be free from your burden of sin? There is power in the blood of Jesus. Power from St. Lucia. Hey, I'm coming down there, buddy. <laughs> Tyler said crabs, no kosher. Yeah, what does he know? He's smart. <laughs> One thing you won't get me doing is eating bats. Yeah, can't eat a bat. Like in Wuhan, China, ask them about eating bat soup. No <laughs> not way. Good. The Bible says do not eat bats. And so I'm going to believe the word on that. She it didn't said, say don't eat crabs. She said voice texting. We love you guys so much. Thank you again for hanging with us. We'll be back tomorrow morning, 10 30 a.m. We love you guys so much. Have and a tomorrow we'll day. deal with the pitfall of prayerlessness. We'll deal with praying in tongues, the lady that kept asking. And uh, we will also deal, the Lord willing, one of the pitfalls is the lack of, I want to say, studying mm -hmm. the word. Yeah. And there's a third one. You want to know what it is? You have to tune in tomorrow. Come back tomorrow. We love you guys. Listen. Here's a preview of Miracle Word University. If you've not yet checked it out, enjoy it. Go check it out at MiracleWordU.com. We'll see you again in the morning. Have a blessed one. Oh, how so in this video, I want to quickly show you something that I was speaking about in a previous video, and that is when we were talking about the measure of faith uh, one of the warnings that uh, I give you and that you find in the scripture is to not exceed your measure of faith. And there's a reason that we talk about this. It is, I mentioned in the uh, previous video that it's damaging 
to you if you try to operate outside of your measure of faith in the same way that it would be, uh, I use the analogy of going to the gym. And if you tried to lay down on the bench press and put more weight on the bar than your body can handle, although you might be able to get to that weight one day, you're not there today. And so trying to operate in that level of strength when you're not there would end up being damaging to your body. If you didn't injure your uh, shoulders or strain your muscles lifting that weight, you would actually just drop the weight on yourself and maybe crush your chest. And so it's important to understand that you should never exceed your measure of faith. As we showed you in Romans chapter 12, the Bible says God has apportioned or dealt out to every man a measure of faith. And so it's important that you understand that you are currently at a certain level of faith. And uh, as we read that, uh, I'll read it to you from the NASB in this video, uh, Romans 12, 3. The Bible says, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. So there is a measure to your faith. It's at a certain level right now. You should never try to do things that are beyond that level. I'll give you an example of that in a bit, but let's look at 1 Corinthians 7, 17. 1 Corinthians 7, 17. Listen to this. Paul writes, only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each in this manner, let him walk. And so I direct in all the churches. You see that? Only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each in this manner, let him walk. So don't walk outside of the manner in which God's called you and assigned you and purposed you. Let's go on. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. Listen to this. But we will not boast beyond our measure. You see that? We'll not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere, which God apportioned to us as a measure to reach even as far as you. For we are not overextending ourselves as if we did not reach you, for we were the first to come even as far as you in the gospel of Christ. So understand what Paul's teaching here. We're not overextending our measure. We're not going beyond what we should be doing. We are operating within the sphere of our apportioned measure of faith. It's important to stay within your measure. Ephesians chapter four and verse seven, the Bible says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then finally, let me read to you first Peter chapter four and verse 11. The Bible says, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God and whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So from these verses of scripture that I'm reading you, you can see and understand that there's a measure of faith in which, in which you're currently standing that God has blessed you with and that you've grown to that level that, as Paul taught, you should never try to operate outside of your measure of faith. And one of the ways to ensure that you never operate outside the measure of your faith, and this is so very important to listen and adhere to this thought, 
One of the best ways, and I'd say it's the best way, to ensure you'll never operate outside your measure of faith to the harm of yourself, your family, your ministry, whatever, is to only ever do what God called you to do and only ever do what he is directing you to do. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.